0: chapter 3 verses 1 to 5 we're going to uh to read from the word of god this morning this is a horrible list but it's what's coming in the last days and who knows but we are probably in them right now as you will see in a moment but understand this writes paul that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents that wouldn't be any of you of course but Um, ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving good treacherous reckless swollen with conceit lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god having the appearance of godliness but denying its power avoid such people lord i pray that these words will become alive to us this morning as we study them as we learn what it is in this culture that we need to detox from and we just give you this service in jesus name amen you know, last week i started a series on detoxing from stuff in our culture and i don't know if you figured it out but there's a lot of stuff in our culture we need to not be a part of do i hear an amen to that a lot of weird stuff out there these days last week i talked about um about truth and people say to all the time my truth and your truth your truth is not my truth and his truth is not her truth if truth is relative it's not truth truth has to be absolute and i said if you don't you know some things are absolute and they're absolutely truth gravity is true if you don't believe me step outside a 10-story building you'll believe really quickly probably about 1.7 seconds or something you know because some things are true but if it's if it changes all the time it's not truth can't be truth because truth has to be absolute but today i want to look at another toxin infecting so many of us yes even many of us in this room it is the toxin of self and our modern culture is just riddled with it this ladies and gentlemen is the age of the selfie is it not now years ago we didn't know i love this photo because you've got a presidential candidate over here uh hillary clinton and what's everybody doing they're not even facing her don't you love that Here's a photo of Hillary Clinton with me in it. I, tell you, I have a few home movies, uh, sorry, I have zero home movies of myself as a youngster. Uh, I have a few photos of me as a baby or a toddler. But for our kids growing up today, they will not be short of videos and photographs, will they? I think that more photos were taken of my first grandchild than my entire life. In the first two weeks because we live in the age of the selfie never before have so many photos been taken by so many people doing nothing nothing for me nothing sums up modern society like the selfie everybody take your phones out get your phone yep wave it around Come and lift it up wave it around right now take a take a selfie of yourself in church please put it on Facebook Instagram all that sort of stuff there you go Thank you, Carrie ann Beautiful. Selfie. It's got, we, want this, we want the word to go everywhere because we live in the age of the selfie. I actually don't like seeing photos of myself, but some people love seeing photos of themselves. Here's me eating breakfast. Here's me on my iPad. Here's me looking at myself in a mirror. What's with that? Okay, now, admittedly, people have been selfish and self-centered ever since Adam. But I think you'd agree that today's, today's society is completely obsessed with oneself, self. And, and selfies have reached epidemic proportions. In fact, I believe it's reached toxic proportions even for Christians. Some of us are so obsessed about ourselves and getting what we want and satisfying our desires that God gets relegated to the back of the line. He's like Hillary Clinton. Okay, God, you stand over there because I'm taking a photo of me. And maybe you in the background. Is it just me, or do do we all observe this in our culture? Mankind is at his at his root selfish to the core. We want bigger houses, better better cars, TVs, computers, phones. We want, we want, we want, we want, we want. It's all about us. So that passage from Two Timothy said that understand this: in the last days will come times of difficulties. First thing off the first cab off the rank, for people will be lovers of self, then lovers of money some of us love ourselves even more than money which is saying something because many people love money you know the list just goes on and on selfless love sacrificial love is an unfamiliar concept these days because it seems everybody is out to get what they want when they want it and how they want it and as believers we claim to serve and honor jesus christ but if we're honest many of us are lovers of self just like everybody else in the world we love the lord yes we love other people but it seems there's always a battle about loving ourselves because we tend to put ourselves first and foremost above everything else and the price is high whether we know it or not it causes us to be alienated from god because we place our desires above his desires we prioritize ourselves, our personal gain and it affects not only our relationship with god but also our relationship with others we don't grow spiritually. We don't grow emotionally because we're all about ourselves. And how many, of you, how many of you have been with a really selfish person and all they ever do is talk about themselves? I mean, it's not, they're not fun. They're not fun. Someone actually suggested recently that there's a new measurement for narcissism, the number of selfies per hour. That actually made sense look at her she's a 27 selfie per hour person you know manifest what are the manifestations of being a lover of self martin lloyd jones said this the greatest battle man faces is against himself and he's right because the devil can tempt us all he likes but in the end we ourselves make the decision whether to sin or not isn't that true you can't blame the devil for everything so what does a lover of self the person which paul predicts will will be characteristic of the last days what does a lover of self look like how is this manifest in the 21st century i want to go through a bunch of things that are kind of self stuff number one self-opinionated this is definitely a 21st century phenomenon people love their opinions to the point of obsession now to be fair people have always loved their own opinions you know and and we all think we're right don't we I used to have a, you know, a disagreement with Fiona. She says, you always think you're right. I say, yes. Because I wouldn't be arguing the point if I didn't think I was right. If I thought it was wrong, I wouldn't. So yeah, we all think we're right, don't we? Don't we? It's quite strangely silent out there. But some love their opinions so much. If you get on social media today, you'll see selfish opinion has free reign. I don't recall ever seeing a time that I can think of in history where people so vehemently aggressively and angrily voice their own opinion time and time again they will attack you they will scratch your eyeballs out to make their opinion known and if you don't believe me write something against gays on facebook and wait two minutes two minutes and you will see venom coming out of people who aren't gay and don't know a gay person but on principle they want to tear you apart it's true isn't it and they do it on facebook because they're not doing it to your face if they had to do it to your face, they'd be much better behaved. But on Facebook, no. Throw the rule book out. Let's be ratbags. So Proverbs 18 verse 2 says this. Listen to this. A fool takes no pleasure in, in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Ooh. The wisest man in the world, King Solomon, said, fools always try and... They only take pleasure in expressing their own opinion. Now, if you keep quiet, you might learn something. But if you constantly voice your opinion and make others agree with you, the Bible says you're a fool. James 1 says this, My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In this day and age, people fight vehemently for their opinion believing their opinion is the one that needs to be heard and obeyed above all else and as we saw last week this is interesting because they have no standard of truth so they'll fight tooth and nail for their opinion but they don't know if it's true or not according to a proper measurement of truth they have their own truth their truth so let's do a test right now on self-opinionating is that a word i'm not sure but in my opinion it should be self-opinionating So I want to, we're going to do a quick test here. Okay, picture this. You go to a restaurant and you don't like the food or the service particularly much. What do you do about it? Now, I would say for me, and this happens, you know, quite a bit because I like my own cooking, (laughs) self-cooking now, But, but you go to a restaurant, if you don't like the food or the service, what would you do? Personally, I would pay the bill, leave, not go back if someone says oh what about that restaurant no not don't really like it much but that's not what 21st century people do oh no they 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 send the food back they raise their voice they accuse people then they walk out and then listen to this they go and leave a one-star review on google that the business can't get rid of they actually set out to try and destroy the business because of their opinion this is true i know because in my business it's happened christians have not agreed with something or or have an opinion about something that went on and they will go and leave a one-star review and try and ruin the business ruin that family's future forever that's how important their opinion is this is the world in which we live it's wrong the second thing about self is self-cravings now another selfie trait is self self self-craving you know what craving is right if i say chocolate you know, chocolate is an example. Um, for, for some, it might be sweets, could be alcohol, certain drugs, sex or porn, or even popularity, comfort or money. Self-craving occurs when the desire we have for what we selfishly want eclipses other more important loves. When we are driven by this, this desire within us, this craving. Now, the classic Bible story about this is in Genesis 25. Let me read it to you. Esau was out hunting. He comes back to Jacob. He says, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was Edom. And then Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright esau was so focused on his perceived needs his cravings that he he didn't think of the consequences he just thought i've got to i've got to satisfy this craving he's like you know i i've got to do i'm hungry i've got to satisfy this and so he threw away his birthright the future of his people for for all of history over a bowl of lentil stew i'm not going to point out that it was a vegetarian thing at all i'm just saying lentil stew too late um so today we see the same thing happening in addicts you know they so crave a drink or a fix or a cigarette or a vape or something like that they will do anything to satisfy that craving and it's not just substances anything that takes the place of a love a love your love for the lord can become like this romans 124 says therefore god gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity to dishonoring their bodies among themselves see self-craving is a toxin that we must all face and we must purge ourselves of it only the power of the holy spirit can can we hope to be victorious against our cravings and our lusts now if you are struggling with addiction i'm not putting that down i'm saying there's a solution there's an answer because you don't have to be a slave to your cravings anymore The third thing I want to talk about is self-indulgence. Self-indulgence is an expression of self-craving when we have a lot, but we crave even more. When we should be satisfied, but we desperately want bigger, better, newer stuff. And talking about selfies, what's the symbol of this in our nation? It's got to be the phone because you've got to get a new phone every couple of years. Otherwise, your smartphone becomes a dumb phone and it doesn't work. I mean you make calls and stuff and get on the internet but you know you can't do all the really cool things and so we've got this craving we've got to get the newest, the latest and this is nothing new the people of Israel turned on Moses and God and, and, and this is uh, uh, recorded back in Exodus they turned on Moses and God they, they were miraculously preserved through the Red Sea they saw God do amazing things they're in the desert they winched that they were hungry God miraculously provided food and so they were thankful, not, because it was manna all the time. And, you know, you think about it, providing food for two million people in a desert, and God did it. And yet they were sick of it, and they, they were craving what they used to have when they were slaves. And to quote uh, Keith Green, you know, they were sick of manna. They had boiled manna, roast manna, manna burgers, fillet of manna, and manna bread. That's his joke, not mine. And they said, we want to go back to Egypt because there, Numbers 11, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. Imagine their breath. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing to look at but this manna. And God got really mad over that. And I reckon he gets really mad at our society today when we are exactly like that. Self-indulgence is amplified today because of all that we have. Think of all the tech, all the food, all the blessings of our nation, and we are the biggest pack of whingers around a lot of times. Am I right? We have so much. And it's it's a pervasive, insidious disease, especially in our Western culture, and particularly in affluent countries like ours. And it starts at a young age. You know, kids used to, you know, back in the day, they, they used to to play you know, with little model cars, or they might get a a Barbie or a GI Joe. What do they want now? They want iPods. They want cell phones. They want designer clothes. They want designer clothes. They don't just want a T-shirt from Kmart anymore. They want a T-shirt that is exactly the same as the Kmart one, but it's got Quicksilver or something on it. This is the culture in which we live. Australia in the 21st century desperately needs a gratitude attitude. Psalm 107, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Self-indulgence can destroy, can be destroyed by a thankful, contented spirit. But people today, we have so much, but what do we? we crave it even more, don't we? 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need to put that on a wall somewhere. So we're reminded that, that we have so much, we should be content. The fourth thing is self-pity. So the next self pity trait, self-pity. It's rampant today. We have so much, we are so blessed, but we think we are hard done by. We want to play the victim card all the time. Am I right? I'm not saying you, I'm saying our society. But some of us are like this even if we don't have a victim card to pay you know if we don't get what we want we feel sorry for ourselves you know forget whether our desires hurt someone else it's about what we want what our self wants we always think we're hard done by we live in a society where we have so much we've got Medicare Centrelink people are provided for that's a good thing but many who are getting free money from the government are are full of self-pity. Woe is me. Look at how tough my life is. They won't give me what I want. Now the pin-up boy for self-pity in Scripture is King Ahab, a man who had everything. This is a king. He had everything he wanted, but he wanted one guy's field, Naboth's vineyard. He wanted that field. And uh, in 1 Kings 21, look at what happens. Naboth said to to Ahab, Uh, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers but Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him and he lay down on his bed turned away his face and would eat no food he was having a a self-pity party then his evil wife came in hatched a plan they bumped off uh, Naboth pinched his field and uh, he was happy again see self-pity can be very very dangerous Even for Christians, self-pity causes us to obsess over our own hurt, real or perceived. And even with God, we can have a self-pity party. We can think, God hasn't done enough for me. You know, look at all the blessings He's given me. But I asked for this, and it didn't happen. Now I'm mad at God. But look at all the things He's done here, but He didn't give me that. Pity me. James 4 verse 3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions now most aussies who have so much certainly all they need and much of what they want feel hard done by by the hands of the government or their boss or the tax department or the church or their family or god or the bank or somebody else pity me the list goes on the next thing is self-centeredness at its core most of our selfish society has self-centeredness we sang earlier jesus at the center of it all but we could change that for our modern society and say, me at the center of it all. Because that's what it, we used to tell jokes, this is a muso joke, um, Lead guitarists are, are notoriously self-centered. And so, I am a guitarist, I'm not pointing, you know. <laughs> um, League guitarists are notoriously self-centered. And so we used to have jokes about, it. how many lead guitarists does it take to screw in a light bulb? Just one he holds up the light bulb and the whole world revolves around him and that's true for many of us sorry about the muso joke at its core we we fight tooth and nail for every dollar every possession every accolade but romans 8 verse 7 says this for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god for it does not (coughs) it does not submit to god's law indeed it cannot for those who are in the flesh cannot please god Now, let me read this in the Message Translation because it gives us a little more of an insight. Listen to this. In the same verse in the Message Translation, focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing and God isn't pleased at being ignored. That's a pretty good translation, isn't it? For that passage see this obsession with focusing on ourself centering our life on ourselves, doing what we want satisfying us putting us first before anyone else looking out for number one is ultimately destructive it hurts those around you and it separates you from god that's why we sang turn your eyes upon jesus remember we sang that earlier turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim that's the thing our nation is obsessed some might say possessed with self-centeredness self-gratification self-craving self-pity and self-absorbance and make no mistake the same toxin is creeping into the church and christians suffer from it as much as anybody else let's talk about self-absorption as a nation we are truly a self-absorbed bunch self-absorption sees everything from their own point of view we don't care about others we have no sympathy for them unless they fit into our point of view isn't that our society to a team? james 3 verse 16 says for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist there will be disorder and every vile practice see selfishness and self-centered and and self-absorption run right in our society and we have every sort of vile practice happening out there and you don't need me to spell it out to you but all of the sexual deviancies the murder of babies because it doesn't suit the mother um, the the way people are treated in general this all stems from the basic sin that we all have we are so self-absorbed we focus on ourselves i remember years ago talking to a lily house girl and she was very upset that centrelink had had reduced her benefit and she said this to me stayed with me she said things are so bad things are so bad i might have to actually get a job i went no a job you're joking that's outrageous but this is the mentality it's all about me it's all it's all me they they cut my money and now i might have to actually get a job they're not all like that i can tell you but this one this particular one was so what is the cure to all of this selfie stuff what what's the cure to this toxin How do we as believers purge ourselves from such poison and madness? How can we shine for Jesus in the age of the selfie? Well, believe it or not, the cure for all of these self-toxins, the antiphoning to the toxicity of selfies, is more self-words. Believe it or not. But but it goes against the spirit behind the selfie. Word number one, self-denial. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Yes, Christian, you can deny yourself. You can. The world doesn't teach this. They say, if you have an urge, you've got to satisfy it. If if you feel this way, then you've got to do it. And, And they've turned it around so much now. It says, I've got to be allowed to express who I am, this feeling inside. I've got to be able to express this and you can't tell me against it. And if you do, you don't love me. That's what they're saying. But that's not true. Because you can love someone and not agree with the decisions they're making. Look at your husband or wife. You love them. Do you always agree with them? No. Sadly. But, but you love them. See, love is different to agreeing with. You don't have to agree with everything everybody says to love them. You can love them and say, I don't agree with you. The antidote to this toxin, to, to, to this desire, this urge within us, is to say, I'm going to deny it, I'm going to crucify it, and I'm going to place myself under God's control. Denying yourself is not heavily promoted in our society, but Jesus actually commands it. And I can't change what I feel or desire, but I can change how I respond to it. Here's the bottom line. You don't have to give in to your urges. You can, actually, you can actually crucify those and control them. You can. James 1 verse 13 says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt with evil. And he himself tempts no one but each person is tempted listen to this when he is lured and enticed by his own desire the desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death which leads to the second self-word self-control ever heard of that most of our society hasn't you can not only deny yourself but you can actually by the power of the holy spirit control yourself and your urges you do not have to give in to an addiction you don't have to go and buy that new toy you don't have to run on the hamster wheel of life just to get stuff you can get off and control your desires and urges proverbs 25 a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls how many people do you know they might be successful at what they're doing but you look at their life you say man you're a mess your family is a mess Your life is a mess because they have no self-control. God commands us to have self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that can be developed in our life. 2 Peter 1 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love there's a whole continuum here but self-control is right in the middle so how do you detox from yourself to truly detox from the spirit of self you have to turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful faith that's what we need to do this morning to seek his kingdom first not our own we need to pray repent turn from our sin and fix our eyes on jesus whenever i face a temptation And remember, temptation is not sin. You know the old thing, the devil made me do it? He didn't. He didn't didn't make you do anything. He tempts you. Temptation's not sin. It's not sin. It's only sin when you give in to it. That's what makes it sin. The temptation, Jesus was tempted. He never sinned. So being tempted doesn't make you extra special. It makes you kind of normal. It's not until you act on it and give in to it that it becomes sin. I choose when I face a temptation, I can choose to focus on Jesus. And when I focus on Him before long, the sin, that whatever it is, fades away because I'm focused on His light and His grace. See, God is not a slot machine to be used to fulfill our carnal desires. He's not a celestial Santa Claus. He's not there to bless you. God's existence is not there to bless you okay but he demands that we crucify our selfie nature and follow him the key to detoxing from self the self being peddled out there everywhere today is to focus on jesus then you don't crave (coughs) self-gratification you don't pity yourself because you you see yourself as a kingdom child your world is so much more than you you're not self-absorbed in your existence i love romans 12 let me read the first two verses because this really sums it up in our society I appeal to you therefore brothers writes Paul by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship you're not called to be selfish but to be a self-sacrifice do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world the self centeredness of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind I love that how do you renew your mind? You fill it with the right stuff. If you put the Word of God in your mind, your mind gets renewed. But we're too busy chasing our own desires a lot of times to, put, to even read the Word of God. You know, this is the answer, folks. If we focus on Christ, if we put the Word of God in our heart and our mind, the things of earth fade away. They really do. If we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness... Then He provides everything else. I call upon all of us this morning to have a gratitude attitude, to be content with what He has given us. No matter what you're going through, there is something you can thank God for right now. You might have heard Fiona share this story before, but uh, it, it just comes to me. It's a really important story. We, had, we, we went through a terrible time, her and I. We lost everything. We lost including our family home. And we bought this, this other home at Nambour and it's all made of metal and it was summer and it was stinking hot And there was no air conditioning and we were miserable but we bought the hat we had to get something and so that was all we could afford and it had electronic gates that was the highlight after that it went downhill And and it was so hot in there it was like an oven and Fiona actually broke out in these sores these heat rashes which became infected and she was covered in sores and she said well I'm Job now. And God spoke to her and said, I want you to thank me for something in this house. And she said, the first thing I thanked God for was for the electronic gate so no one could come in and see how miserable I am. And you know, it worked. Every day she thanked God for something else about that house, something else about that house, something else about that house. And, and it changed her whole attitude. And, and we actually finished up quite liking that house. We got some air conditioners, but we like the house. So you see, you can change your mind, renew your mind. If you honestly feel right now, I'm going to ask you, what are you focusing on right now? Because some of us are focusing on just our self, our selfie. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. We might not be physically doing it, but we're acting like it. Everything in our life is about us. But I tell you, if you put Jesus first, if you put God first, you will see something amazing happen in your life. If you focus on him, the things of earth will grow strangely dim because Jesus should be at the center of it all. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want you to examine your heart this morning. If you can feel that the Lord is calling you to put him first, I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. I'm not saying you're not a Christian or anything, but I am saying sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we start to, to not focus on Him and focus on what's going on around. And I think this morning is a great opportunity for us to say, Lord, I'm choosing to focus on You. I'm choosing to not concentrate on my career or my home or my business or my family or my house or my desires, but I want to put You first, Lord. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it, because if you pray this, we will recenter, recenter ourselves on on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We will seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So, just say this with me. If you're a believer, say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of not putting you first. And right now, Lord Jesus, I make a decision to focus on you. I take my eyes off what is around me and I fix my gaze on you. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to deny myself, to center my life on you and to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. God spoken to a lot of people here. And I know the Lord is speaking to... And you, listen, if you don't know the Lord, you may be saying, what is this all about? But you cannot deny that I've described your culture this morning. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make the greatest decision you have ever made. If you are struggling at the moment with, with the self-cravings and addictions, this is the greatest decision you can make. If you're struggling to, to, to take your eyes off yourself and your own needs and your self-pity this is the greatest decision you can make this morning i'm going to ask you are you willing to give up that and people say i don't want to become a christian because i don't want to give up my life well look i don't give up my garbage i throw it away and most of your life will be garbage if it's not focused on the right thing so i'm going to give you the opportunity right now to ask jesus christ into your life as your lord and your savior don't let this go by this is important this will change everything It's a deal breaker. It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. If that is you, pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've sinned. I turn away from my sin to you. And I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I make a decision to focus on you now if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up wherever you are we're not going to bring you forward but just raise your hand up just very quickly yep good are there any others good now for the rest of us God's speaking to people this morning about being selfish and self-centered and we live in a culture that promotes that But what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, if you have made that conscious decision to focus on Christ and nothing else, it's a momentous decision. And if that is you, I'm going to ask you to stand wherever you are. I'm standing up here. I don't care about the other stuff. I want to focus on Jesus. But if that's you, stand wherever you are. As an act of obedience, just stand wherever you are. I'm hoping it's all of us. but we are going to sing turn your eyes upon Jesus and we are going to turn our eyes upon Jesus right now we're going to look full in his wonderful faith and together i want you to worship and i want you to think about what this means we sing it we don't realize what it means but it means that you take your eyes off everything else and you place them on Jesus that includes your job your career your money Your house, your car, your phone, everything else. This is your opportunity to refocus. So once you close your eyes, it's it's only a few words with you know you don't have to read it on the screen. Close your eyes. Sing it as a prayer. And as we wrap up our message together, uh, our time this morning together, let's turn our eyes upon him and focus on him. Because the things of earth will fade away. So close your eyes. Don't read it on the screen. Don't even put it up there, guys. we we'll just.